are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. It's not every day that you see a picture of a bus being flown out of an Alaskan forest. However, that was the picture that caught my attention a few weeks ago. It is known as the Magic Bus, made famous by the story of a man named Christopher Johnson McCandless, who grew up in suburban Virginia, and a quite a difference between Virginia and Alaska. After he graduated high school and then went on to college, he graduated in May of 1990 from college at Emory University and McCandless ceased then after that, uh, he ceased communicating to his family. And then he gave away his college trust fund of over $24,000 to a nonprofit organization. And then he began to travel through the western part of the United States, eventually abandoning his car altogether after a flash flood, and ultimately he ended up in Alaska. And through a collection of eyewitness accounts, his own journal entries, and self-portraits, a story is told about Chris. And on April 28, 1992, at the age of 24 years old, Chris hitchhiked to what's known as Stampede Trail in central Alaska. There, he headed down the snow-covered trail to begin an odyssey with only 10 pounds of rice, a 22 caliber rifle, several boxes of ammo, a camera, a few items for camping, and a small collection of reading material, including a field guide to the region's edible plants. After hiking along the snow-covered trail, McCandless came upon an abandoned bus. He set up camp and attempted to live off the land by foraging for edible plants and hunting animals. Chris even hunted porcupines, squirrels, birds, and even stalked and shot a moose, but the meat spoiled within days because he didn't preserve it correctly. He took self-portraits along the way, journaling his experience the best he could. He survived for 113 days before he perished sometime the week of August 18, 1992. This story was made famous by a book and then a movie from whose title I would like to make my subject and speak to you from today. I want to speak on the subject into the wild. Why do people go into the wild? What draws people to this kind of adventure? For Chris, it seemed to be a combination of things, fleeing, searching, exploring. He was fleeing a life of abuse, searching for a life free from turmoil and a life motivated by happiness. There's something about this 
life in the wild that can be attractive to us and people. A life that is free from the leash of technology and social boundaries. There is an imaginary, romanticizing, fascinating, and adventurous quality to being, quote-unquote, away from it all. Recently, I was on a fishing and camping trip with a group of guys who desperately needed me to be there, mainly for ministry. They wanted me to minister to them, so they invited me for that part of it. It was a trip into the wild. We were out in the middle of a scenic remote lake in Minnesota on the border of the United States and Canada. Five days without running water, cell phone service, electricity, and restroom facilities, most importantly. We could only bring what we carried on the canoes, so not a lot of extra was brought. Had to even limit the amount of food we brought, so we had filters that we filtered the water each day, and we caught fish to eat every day. Other food that we could bring, we brought some oatmeal, none of the maple and brown sugar type, you wouldn't want any of that, but just special flavors like strawberry and peaches and cream and cheese and, of course, some corn tortillas, you know, the normal things that you bring on camping trips like this. On an island in the middle of the lake with only canoes to get around, it is These wilderness experiences that you learn a few things, not just about nature, but you learn about yourself. And I might add, I learned a few things about the guys I was with that I will not share today. The wild is an unpredictable place. It's a humbling place. A place where you are less in control and more exposed to the erratic elements. As we consider this in a message today, the idea of wild, we don't have to look very far in Scripture before you find the reality of wild. The Bible uses the term for, has a term for being in the wild. And I I don't want to be too profound today, but this term is simply called being in the wilderness, the wilderness. Being in the wild is the wilderness, the state of being in the wild. So what makes it wild or what makes it a wilderness? I don't know what the magic line is, but there are two primary marks of the wilderness. First, it is a place that is left uncultivated or left to grow without restraint. Second, it's a place that's uninhabited. Simply put, it's a place where nature is more in control and a place that is isolated from people. There are many instances where people found themselves in Scripture 
and they found themselves in the wilderness. And even more instances of people who were in places that were uncultivated and uninhabited. And I won't take the time to walk through every story. But if you were to read scripture, you'll come across this phrase, being in the wilderness. And in the Old Testament, people like Abraham and Moses and David and and Elijah, they, they found themselves in the wilderness. In the New Testament, John the Baptist, Jesus, and Philip and John the Beloved found themselves in places uncultivated and uninhabited. Our main understanding of the wilderness, though, if you've been around church any length of time, comes from the children of Israel, who we understand lived in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness. Now, I can tell you from my little trip in in the Boundary Waters that it didn't take me long to figure out I didn't like to live in the wilderness, Four days was enough, really, honestly. One day was good. I, I could have went home. I caught the biggest fish on the first day. I could have went home that day and been, been fine. But, but some reason, we had to stay a few more days. But the children of Israel were there 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness, And as we consider the children of Israel and their experience in the wilderness, what we understand is that the wilderness was a necessary place. Now, you don't hear preaching about the wilderness being a necessary place when you talk about the children of Israel because we say that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And so we kind of look down on this place called the wilderness. But I want to tell us today that it wasn't an accident that the children of Israel ended up in the wilderness. It was actually the providence of God. It would seem that there was something about the wilderness that God was trying to use to develop and prepare his people. And so when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, which is a type of salvation, he brought them out of Egypt, but he did not bring them into the promised land. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 18, so God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. God is the one who brought them into the wilderness. And here's what I think we should all consider today. It's obvious that all of us We'll go through some difficult times in life. We all face challenges and isolation and things that that cause us to be distant at times from things we love and where it seems that nature is more in control than we are. This is a common experience. However, what I think we can do often as as Christians, we can assume with our quote-unquote Christian perspective and lens that God is somehow discouraged when we are in a wilderness or somehow the devil is winning because we face uncertainty or isolation or difficulty. And we can be guilty of taking on a perspective that if something is wrong, then God is mad. 
If something is challenging and testing me, then God must be displeased. I would argue that there are certain seasons in our life that seem difficult, but that God is still right in the middle of. I feel challenged and I felt the Lord just prompt me with this statement to tell you today. The presence of pain is not the absence of God. The presence of pain and difficulty in your life is not the absence of God. There are some things in our life that can only be realized when you have walked through the wilderness. You see, God had a promised land for them. God had something prepared for them. But he said, I can't give it to you until you walk through the wilderness. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness. So while we can accept and see God using the wilderness as an important place, it doesn't change the fact that the wilderness is a difficult place. The wilderness is harsh and it's uncomfortable. It would not take very long for the children of Israel to come out of Egypt and into the wilderness and realize Wait a minute, this is not going to be easy. It challenged them at every level. Now think about the children of Israel. Where are they coming from? They're coming from Egypt. They're coming from the cruelty of a taskmaster. They're coming from someone who is keeping them in bondage. And so now they come out of Egypt, they walk into the wilderness, but the wilderness is overwhelming them. It overwhelms them as if it's more difficult in the wilderness than it was in Egypt. And what was the challenge? What was the real challenge with the children of Israel? It was the fact that everything in their life had changed. The normalcy of Egypt was replaced with the uncertainty of the wilderness. And they said, we would rather take the normalcy of Egypt than the uncertainty of the wilderness. Now think about that. But that's where we are. We just clamor for some kind of normal day. Can I just wake up and the day be normal? Can I just wake up and not have a phone bite from Pastor Ellis? Can I just wake up and not hear from the governor today or some politician today or some medical advice today? Can I just wake up and have a normal life? And we clamor. <laughs> As if some things were better, but the only reason we think they're better is because they were just routine. Has anybody had that ex experience where you walked into a store, you're walking up to the door, and you realize you forgot your mask? I was at T TSC. The other day, and I was coming out because I, I have a little farm that I take care of, and I like to go to the tractor supply. I'm just kidding. 
And I'm walking out, and a guy's walking in, and he walks to the door. He's like, oh. The walk of shame back to his car to get his mask. We just want some kind of normal situation. And really, if we're honest, it's this lack of normalcy that challenges our faith. See, at at least in Egypt, they knew what to expect every day. But in the wilderness, they didn't even know where they were going. They didn't know where their food was coming from. They didn't know where their water was coming from. Their pets' heads were falling off. And as Bishop Pasley II would say, they were vexed. Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, and the children of Israel said, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We would have rather died in our normalcy than to face the uncertainty of a wilderness. Isn't this the reality of what challenges our faith? When we're in places of uncertainty, we don't know if we're going back to school. We don't know what the economy's doing. We don't know if we're coming to church next week. We don't know if we're going to have to wear masks to church next week. It's just crazy. Just longing to go back to some normal routine. Trying to get back to going to work, going to school, doing our activities having our celebrations. And I would argue that in this time, that lack of normalcy is almost as challenging as anything to our faith. We're wrestling with our prayer lives. We're wrestling with our understanding of of worship and our, our, our ability to read the Bible because everything in our world is just in constant flux. And I believe, though, that God allows us to walk through the wilderness in different seasons of our life. There are times that we will feel isolated and uncomfortable. The reality is those times can cause us to question our faith like nothing else. I feel compelled to tell us today that I believe That God has a purpose for the wilderness. And I would say today that God allows us to walk through times of isolation and pressure for a reason. And I submit three things to you today quickly. There could be more, but I submit three things. First, through the wilderness experience, God wants to reveal something in us. It's through the wilderness experience that he reveals something in us. Many times God will use the wild and unfettered pressure and isolation to reveal something. He reveals something in our life that would otherwise be unable to be seen. It would be the man Moses, you know, the guy who brought him out of Egypt. Before he ever brought the children of Israel out of Egypt... God brought him into a wilderness. 
away from the opulence of the palace. And it was in this wilderness, this isolation, that God revealed things to Moses. And what does he reveal to Moses? For sake of time, I won't read the entire passage, but you know, most of you probably have heard the story of Moses in the burning bush, and Moses ends up in front of this burning bush, and what does God say to him? The Lord saw that he turned aside, and he said, Moses, Moses. He calls him by name, and Moses says, here am I. And then God said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. There's twofold revelation in this. God was revealing who he was, that he was the almighty, that he was the holy one, that he was the all-sufficient one. But he also wanted Moses to understand something about himself. He said, take off your shoes because where you're standing is holy ground. And you, my friend, are not holy without me. And so God was revealing to Moses uh, that he was unholy. And God prepared Moses uh, for an amazing work to bring this children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, What would have happened if God would have done this uh, when Moses was in the palace? I argue that Moses would have probably thought uh, that it was his position in the palace, his relationship to Pharaoh. It would have been something that he brought to pass. Uh, And so God said, I need to get you out uh, of the palace and I need to get you in the wilderness uh, where you can't rely on yourself, uh, where you take no credit for anything and you understand that you are who you are because of me. Oh, hallelujah. So God reveals his holiness, and he reveals ultimately his love for his people in the wilderness. It would be John the Baptist who would be described in Mark's gospel of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 1, verse 2, it says, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And where is this message going to come from? He said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John's message of this great Messiah begins in the wilderness because the wilderness reveals who we are. These people, these, these uh, uh, Jewish leaders and those who were a, a part of the culture had to go into the wilderness. Think about it now. They came out of Egypt and God brought them in the wilderness to give them a message. And here they are, thousands of years later, back at the same point, where they come out and they have to go into the wilderness because God wanted to reveal something to them. He wanted to reveal to them that they could not stand on their own. They could not stand on their own history and they couldn't stand on their own goodness. And so he reveals their hearts He reveals their nature. And so we come to the second reason we go to the wilderness is through the wilderness experience, God refines 
something in us. It's in the wilderness that God not only reveals things in our life, but I would argue God refines things. He wants to reshape our character. He wants to reshape our perspective and our worldview and how we live life. And when people came to be baptized by John, remember, they went into the wilderness. God didn't just reveal to them their sins. The writer Luke says about this, when John saw the multitudes and they came out to be baptized, he said, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He says, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Don't take credit because of your genealogy. He said, but bear fruit that is worthy of repentance. He said, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so, not only were their hearts revealed and their sin was revealed, they asked the question, what should we do then? What are we supposed to do then about this sin we just realized in the wilderness? And John said to them, he who has two tunics or two coats Let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him give to the person who has none. But then the tax collectors, they also came to be baptized. And they they said to him, teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, what shall we do? And so he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. See, God wasn't bringing them into the wilderness just to reveal their sin. He was bringing them into the wilderness to refine them, to change them, to shape them. So he said, change your ways. I've revealed your air. Now change your ways. And now, thirdly, through the wilderness experience, God wants to redirect something in us. He reveals something in us. He refines something in us. And I say today, he ultimately wants to redirect something in us. Here's the reality. We are not called to live indefinitely in the wilderness. There are times when we will be led into the wilderness There will be seasons in our life where it will feel like we are disconnected from everything. The mark against the children of Israel, though, was not that they went into the wilderness. Because God brought them into the wilderness. The mark against the children of Israel was that they stayed in the wilderness. They chose to live their entire existence in the wilderness. In this wilderness that God had prepared, he wanted to deliver them, and he wanted to bring them into the promised land. 
But he knew they had to walk through this wilderness because the wilderness experience is an experience of preparation. The wilderness experience is an experience of preparation, but it is not an experience of destination. You're not designed to live in the wilderness. And so John told those who came out to see him, those who had their sins revealed, those who were challenged to change their ways, John said to them, as they came out with expectation in verse 16 of chapter 3, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, that you are not meant to set up camp. The previous verse tells us that they were wondering if John was the Christ or not. And John said, listen, I'm not bringing you out into the wilderness so you can set up a camp here in the wilderness. I'm simply bringing you out to the wilderness so you can see the frailty of your humanity, so you can understand that you need God and you can repent and have your sins forgiven and ultimately find Jesus Christ who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Oh, hallelujah. And so herein is the great challenge we face concerning the wild and the wilderness. That You and I must never accept the wilderness as our destination, but we must accept the wilderness as our preparation. You've got to have both understandings. Because you will fight against the wilderness. You will complain against the wilderness to the point that you miss the point of the wilderness. Find so powerful that the scripture tells us in Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 13 says, when the devil had finished his temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. But it says, then Jesus, he wasn't depleted by the wilderness says he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. And I love it. He shows up in the synagogue after this experience, and he shows up, and they hand him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He came out of the wilderness, not depleted, but full of, of power, and that's the intention of the wilderness. 
That's the intention when God walks us through times that are silent and God walks us through times that are difficult. It's a time where God is forming and he's making us because he has something for us to do. And I love it. He closed the book and he sat down and it was just the way he read it. They're like something, something is different about the way he read that. He just looked at him and said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I submit that scripture couldn't have been fulfilled unless he had walked through the wilderness. He had to go into the wild. Oh, hallelujah. And so the life of Chris McCandless, that young man, who ended up in the Alaskan wilderness is a cautionary tale about our decisions in the wilderness. How you handle your wilderness experience is really the ultimate tale of your life. There are many speculations on why he went into the wilderness and even more speculation on why he never made it out. We could argue for a variety of reasons, but here's what I want you to understand. At one point, he tried to leave the wilderness a couple months after he arrived. He arrived in April. He died around August 18th. They say in July, he tried to leave the wilderness. But he came to a river. It was a river that he had crossed getting there in April. A river he was accustomed to. A path that he had taken once before. But when he arrived at that path, he could not pass. And so, he heads back to that abandoned bus. He lives out his days trapped in the wilderness. What's sad and tragic about that story is that that river that he tried to cross, that spot that he had walked before and tried to cross, about a quarter of a mile away from that, just down the road, was a tramway that he could have used to cross the river. A line had already been strung across the river and everybody in the area knew about it except for him. Because he had lived his life where he didn't need anybody else. He didn't want anybody else telling him how to live in the wilderness. I've got this. Even a, a, a story goes that a guy who helped him offered for him to wait or asked him to wait a few weeks, offered him shoes, offered him help. He declined. I, I, I don't need your help. I've got this. And here he had the capacity to leave the wilderness the whole time. But he... He was stuck in his own knowledge 
He was stuck in what he knew. And I tell you today, all of us will walk through the wilderness. We have walked through it. We are walking through it. We will walk through it again. And you have a choice on how you walk through tough times. You can try to figure it out yourself and hope that you get out. But how often do people find themselves trapped by a path they once took that's now covered up? They know how they got there, but when they go to get back to it, somehow everything's different. And I'm telling you today, you serve a God who is not bringing you through the wilderness for you to set up camp and live there. But he's saying, I'm going to make a way, but I've got to redirect your steps. I've got to change where you're going and how you see things in order for me to bring you out of the wilderness. And if you'll follow me, if you'll listen to me, I'll bring you to a promised land. I'll bring you to a place that's better than anything you've ever experienced before. But you got to trust my word. You got to trust what I'm telling you. And don't hate the wilderness. Don't hate that you're in a tough time. Just be sensitive to hear the voice of God because he'll walk you through it. Would you stand with me this morning? Be encouraged today. God is not surprised by your wilderness. God's not surprised by our wilderness experience right now. This time, like times before and times yet to come, God will walk us through the wilderness. It's uncomfortable. It's harsh. We don't understand. It's messing with the normalcy of life. But I'm telling you, don't be overwhelmed by the wilderness Let God reveal things in you. God's revealing things in our hearts. God's revealing motives that we have. God's revealing sin in our life. God's revealing many things in our life. Let God do his work in the wilderness. Let God refine you in the wilderness. Let God shape you during this time. Quit trying to fix and control everything. I'm telling you, there's some things that are just out of your control. It's the wild. It's the wilderness. But ultimately, my challenge for you is to let God redirect your steps. Where are you going? Where are you walking? And I'm telling you, God has a place prepared for us. The children of Israel died in the wilderness rather than allow God to reveal, refine, and redirect them. The wilderness was meant to be a temporary place, but it became their permanent dwelling. And so I'm reminded of this great passage 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in the hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're in a wilderness. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're just in the wilderness. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're just in the wilderness. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We're just in a wilderness. Always caring about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. And I want to drop down to this last part, portion that he, he writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. And I want to say it to you today. Therefore... We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The outward man is perishing, but the, the inward man, God is doing something in the inward man. God's moving. God's working in the inward man. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Don't let this wilderness time go by and God not having a chance to do something in you. This is just for a moment, but it is working for a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Oh, hallelujah. God's doing something in us. God's doing something in us. You may feel like you're in a wilderness, but I'm telling you, God is doing something in us. Uh, all the normal routines are gone, but God is doing something in us. Uh, I'm not just trying to escape uh, this wilderness or this wildness. Uh, I am just uh, going to allow God to direct my steps because he's forming something in us. Oh, I wonder if you would surrender your heart to the Lord today in a special way. Maybe you know what you've been struggling with. You know what you've been wrestling with, with God. Asking for escape. Facing the, the just mental pressure of something new every day. And I'm praying today that the Calvary Church would rest in God today. That he's going to walk us through this wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder if you'd lift your hands to the Lord. Talk to the Lord in your own way. Thank you, O oh God. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice today. I pray, O oh God, that you would give us peace. You would give us strength in this time. Help us to understand your work, Lord. And I pray that you would call us to understand that you're calling us out into the wilderness because you're laying bare God, the works of man, you're laying bare the works of flesh. Uh, you're laying bare our carnal nature. God, you're changing us. Uh, you're revealing in us and you're refining us, God, because you're going to redirect our steps. Oh, God, touch us today. Let your fire burn fresh in our hearts today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing together. I want you to worship the Lord in your own way. We're not going to invite you to come to the altar, but we're going to invite you to worship right where you are. I wonder if you'd just talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Worship him in your wilderness right now. Worship him in your wilderness. 
This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.